2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, mate, so we're gonna go in three, two, one. Lions Lounge Lockdown, episode twelve, big Danny Dicio all the way from Toronto in Canada. Thanks for joining us, Dan.
3: No problem. Thanks for having me on.
0: Appreciate your time. So, we're going to talk about your career, your time at Millwall. what you said uh, off-camera about 18 months in total. How did you first join the club? Originally on loan, wasn't it?
3: Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was towards the end of, uh, I think it was a 02 or 03 season. And um, I was kind of in limbo at West Brom. I'd fallen out with the, the gaffer, the manager there, Gary Megson. And I just wanted to play. My family had moved back and forth from London when I was in West Brom. I was still commuting back from my London house to West Brom in the Midlands. And then my family finally moved up to the Midlands and I'd fallen out with a gaffer again. And uh, Ray Wilkins, who was my ex-coach at QPR, and Dennis Wise, who was from the same area as me in West London, Shepherds Bush, um, contacted me and said, look, would would you fancy coming down? We're having some problems scoring goals. Well, I think they had an injury to... to who was the, the big Dutch or Belgium striker? But Was it Bobby someone? Oh, Bob Peters. Bob Peters was, was struggling or he had an injury. So they said, would you fancy coming down for, for a month just to help us out? And I said, you know what? I'd love to. I'd love to come down. I'd obviously got a good rapport with both of them, with YZ and, and Ray Wilkins, who was a mentor to me. And, and that was it. I came down, uh, spent, I think, about... A month to six weeks on loan, scored a fair few goals, and and they decided to make the the move permanent if they could come to an agreement with West Brom.
0: But what's your first impressions of the club being there under YZ? What, what how did they sell the club? I know they probably didn't have to sell it to you too much, but what did they say to you about the club and, and sort of things well, to get you in?
3: They basically said, look, there was a, a a really good group of lads down there that were very together. They couldn't offer much in the sense of we've got a wonderful training ground or we've got an unbelievable stadium. And and I said, to be quite honest, I'm not interested in that. I want to come and play. And I want to come and play for uh, a group of staff that are honest and upfront with me and can give me the opportunity to play football because I've been in and out of the team at West Brom. I knew a couple of the the boys that I've either played against or played with at other clubs um, that were in the middle dressing room already. And uh, that was basically it. I, I, I drove down to to South London, and they put me in a hotel for the night. And then, after about a week or so, I started staying with Timmy. Timmy put me up in his house because his family were back in Australia. So I settled in really nicely, and I got I got to grips with with the squad and 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 the actual players on the team were were very welcoming. And as I said, I knew the staff already, and I thought we had a really tight unit there in those days. Mm. Yeah, you he you know, you was uh, rooming with Timmy Cahill. Yeah, what was he like, Timmy? Well, no, I was I was staying with Timmy, so I stayed in the hotel for a couple of uh, nights. Then I was staying at my mum's, but my mum lives all the way over in West London, so it was a long drive to get to the training ground. So in the end, yeah. I uh, I stayed. Timmy said, "Look, I can put you up at my house. My, my family are back in Australia, so I stayed with with Timmy at his house, at his mansion. Uh, that had a lot of room in it, so we uh, that, that helped me a lot in settling in." Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: so you go, you walk straight into a team that's sort of been promoted in 2001, 2-2, the following season, just missing out on the playoffs. And then we're looking to go again, the season you joined, and we, we go on this spectacular cut run. As you said, was it Telford? You, when, you remember playing in that game? 2 0 yeah. white Telford. They got called off about six times before I actually went ahead, I think.
3: That was right. Yeah, there was, we had a lot of uh, rain and and their uh, their pitch weren't the best um, typical non-league ground, it was heavily waterlogged. Even when we played the the eventual game, it, we knew it was going to be a tough, tough game for us. But as I said, with our with our team spirit that we had, we had a lot of players that had played in and around the like, second division, first division anyway. So I thought we were very comfortable in going there and getting the result. Mm. So
0: originally you joined on loan. I think you scored five in five on loan.
3: That's right, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, hit the ground running. A typical middle player, really. It was it was almost like a, it was a perfect fit. You had a lot. Obviously, scored five and five. He's no no mean feat. He was very good in the air. You had some great service coming in from from on the wings. Paul Ives, especially.
3: Yeah, I love playing with Ives. I think he was uh, one. Uh, if if I go throughout my career, um, and I played with a lot of good wingers, Obviously, as you said, being a, a big target man, a striker usually teams either purchased or, or brought me in for a reason because they played with wingers that like to get balls in the box. But Ice was definitely up there in the top five wingers I played with throughout my career because he was so unpredictable as well. Like And and that's what I, I, I thought really made him efficient, especially in that final phase area, which we call it in taking fullbacks on, getting crosses in, getting goals. And he was a, a delight to play with and, and a top man off the field as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's a, we've had a chat of ice and he uh, he really is a top man. So let's talk about this FA Cup run. Obviously, you didn't score against yeah. Telford. Fourth round against Burnley, you get the only goal of the game. That was from, I think that's from an Eiffel cross, wasn't it? Another bullet header.
3: Yeah, that was. Uh, no, sorry. The, the goal, is it Burnley at home? That was from Muzzy. That was from Kevin Muscat. Oh, was uh, it? Yeah, that was from Kevin Muscat cross. He, he crossed it and he, he was another player that could put in a, a beautiful cross. On a sixpence, he'd done that numerous times for me during my Millwall career. Um, but that was a, That was a closer game. But I'm I'm not sure if we played Tranmere before that or Tranmere after.
0: Tranmere was after. Tranmere was, and then Muscat hit the hit the bar uh, for the penalty. Ended up going to a replay, didn't it?
3: That's right. And we had to go back up to Tranmere. But I just remember that Burnley game being. I think it was televised on on uh, BBC on a Sunday, was it? Mm. And there was a lot of pressure on us because we'd obviously had a. a favourable draws, and people were saying, oh, we all got lucky, they're at home now against Burnley, or not playing too well, not the best of the teams, they got a chance. I think because we've been delayed against Telford, the draw had already been made as well, and we had Tranmere in the next round if we could beat Burnley. So there was a lot of pressure on us at home, and uh, we felt that within the team. Um, it was strange, because as I said, we had a good team spirit, we hammered each other in the locker room, but when we went out on the field, we were like very, very... Tight unit, good team spirit within us. We we would drop the gloves and, and and scrap with anyone. We would we would try and play with anyone as well. We we weren't all the most technically gifted players, but as I said, we'd always lay it out on the field. That's how just wise he used to treat our team talks, our team meetings before the game and. And we went out there against Burnley, and I thought we were we were, we were pretty flat, but uh, we we managed to get the win in the end. It was a late goal, I think, good cross from Muzzy, and I just remember the the elation, not only with the players but with the fans as well. It was a good crowd that day at the Den, and we managed to nick the one nil win. Yeah, and after that, obviously, so we went on to Printon Park
0: um, for the replay after we drew only Tranmere.
3: Tranmere game was was a fantastic game because. We were disappointed that we we uh, drew it home with Tranmere. They were a little bit lower than us in the league. It was, again, a, a lot of pressure on us on BBC mm-hmm. Match of the Day. And we kind of flattered to deceive that day. So we didn't perform well, but we knew we still had another chance. And going up to uh, Tranmere, Prenton Park, it, it was going to be a difficult game. And again, a, a terrible field that I think they made even worse. Not that it affected us because we weren't a team that really played with the ball on the floor, even though we could do and I remember Chopper scoring a great goal and and Timmy scoring a lovely goal as well, both goals that I was involved with. But I think Chopper scored like a volley that day that nestled in the top corner. Mm. It, was, it was just like, it, it was a real good feeling. One of, one of the games of, of my career that I could remember that it just felt so good. The elation again of, of going through to the semi-final of the FA Cup final. Uh, a thing that I'd never managed in in my career and I was coming... Close towards the end of my career and it's every boy's dream to play in the FA Cup or get through to a semi-final and and we did that. So, as I said, the the elation after that game and the the bus journey on the way back home was lovely. And then almost,
0: I was going to say the perfect draw, really. Obviously, you want to try and avoid avoid the big hitters, obviously, in the semis, which we did. And we ended up playing one of your former clubs, Sunderland, at Old Trafford.
3: Yeah, it was funny because I remember at a training ground uh, we were watching the draw. We, we I think we'd uh, finished training. It was a light session, and um, we were all in the calf talking and just having a joke as we usually do. And we were, uh, I think, I think either Muzzy or someone had, had set up a, a book, and he uh, was taking bets on who we would get. And the other one was was Man United, the other one was Arsenal, and the, the last one, no one was taking bets on on Sunderland. And I think Sunderland came out first of the draw. So we're all sitting there and we're all like banging the tables going, please, 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 please. The ball comes out and it's Millwall. And we, we just thought we we erupted in that in that training ground in the CAF that day because it was odds on that we were going to get one of the big hitters. The, the balls were either mm. hot and uh, they were going to draw out. <laughs> or they were going to separate the two big teams. But we managed to get Sunderland and... Uh, at Old Trafford, which was an amazing feat for us, because we knew, and I'm sure Sunderland fought it at the same time, that it was a, a 50-50 chance that we had in getting through to the FA Cup final. Yeah, we
0: beat them twice that that season in the league, oh and away, so suppose the law of averages, they probably think when they, they owe us, they got to do a number on us, but they didn't, uh, Timmy Cale scores early, you had a good game that day, I remember uh, towards the end, when you had a chance to score a second, their goalkeeper saves it, but how that feel for you playing against your former club, getting one up on them?
3: Yeah, well, it was, it was kind of bittersweet for me because I'd spent probably four and a half years at Sunderland. Um, the most I've ever kind of spent at a club after QPR where I grew up. And um, it was a difficult time for Sunderland. They were going through a little bit of a, a transition as well. Mick McCarthy was in charge of them. Obviously, he had Millwall ties as well because he'd been at Millwall for a long time and he's a lovely fella. Yeah. Guy I got a lot of respect for, and there was obviously players on the team as well that I played with. But at the end of the day, when you when you're a footballer, you're going out on on the field, whether you're playing a pickup game with your mates or you're playing non-league or wherever you are, you're going out on that field to beat your opponents. And and even though it was an old old club of mine, I'd always had a good record of scoring against old teams that I was playing against. Um, the win. And the victory afterwards was a little bit sour because of of Sunderland, who I have a lot of affection with, uh, a lot of respect for as well. And even at the end, going around after the game, a lot of the Sunderland fans stayed and, and clapped us and was was saying congratulations to myself as well. And fans I I, I even remembered from their travelling support because they travel in such big numbers, and mm. they were very respectful and and wished us all the best. But it was it was a little, as I said, bittersweet as well. But going back to, to our fans, the amount of fans we took up to Old Trafford that day, and I had a lot of mates in the crowd, I had family up there as well. And it was just great to see the Mill support come out that day and, and get the victory. And everyone with a smile on their faces, recognising that we were gan. Was, was, that, was that being our first FA Cup final appearance then? Yeah, yeah. That was, yeah?
0: First ever. Um, what was the celebrations like in the dressing room after and amongst, amongst, amongst the group?
3: you know what? It was kind of, it was strange because I still, I still didn't feel that we recognized that we'd got through to an FA Cup final. It was kind of, we were in a daze a little bit. And obviously before the game, it was funny because Wisey and Ray always come up with, with different team talks and Wisey was the guy that would, would try and get stuck into you and say, look, we're going to do this. We're going to get stuck into him, do do that. And Ray was the mediator. He was the guy that come in very calmly and, and sat everyone down and said, look, we're going to try and do this tactically. or what." But on that day, Wisey come out. He hadn't been around. He'd obviously got changed, but then he'd come out and he'd come out with a tray of uh, little shots for us. I think there were shots of brandy or, or whatever it was. And he said, fellas, we've done ever so well in, in getting here. And I wanna I wanna to toast you all. So he made us all take a little shot. I'm sure it was rum or it might have been port or whatever it was. It was only a little shot to take a quick swig before we went out to, to the game. So afterwards uh, we Oh yeah. that was before a little live in the little livener before the game. Live in the livener before the game. <coughs> <laughs> like <he's> like, <laughs> <laughs> like he's it was it was actually a really good tactic from him because he knew that everyone was obviously nervous. A lot of boys had never played in in this stage of the cup final, including myself, and he just wanted to settle everyone down. He was he was obviously an experienced guy. Him and Ray had been there, done it, um, and he just wanted to settle everyone down. So everyone kind of looked around at each other to see who was the first one to to pick up a, a little cup. And done it. Timmy or Muzzy said, fuck, right, let's go. Swigged it back and that was it. We were all out there. We didn't even do much of a tactical talk. We did that all through the week. And we went out there. We, it was it was a very physical game, if I remember. There was a lot of harsh tackles going on. There was a few injuries here and there. Um players had to be carried off. But we were both just showed you the commitment level of of both teams wanting to get through to the FA Cup final.
0: Yeah, like you said, um you were all good players, but more, no more for really being a very physical Ah, uh, determined, but group of hard fuckers. Really, let's have it right. You, Denzel, uh, Muscat, YZ. What was that like to train with them, boys, day to day? Was it was it was it intense in training as well?
3: Uh, it was because that's how that's how we we played on a weekend, and that's how Wisey wanted us to train. And if someone kind of shirked to tackle or wasn't putting it in. It wasn't just Wisey calling people out. It was other players within that group. But we had a massive amount of respect for each other as well. And whether you'd had an argument or a row with someone on the training pitch, it was all forgotten about either through a handshake or in the calf or the, the change room run afterwards. And I played for teams where there'd been rows on the training ground and fields and it kind of festered. At Millwall, it always got sorted out straight away, and I give credit to to Ray and Wisey and also to the group of players that mm. we had back then that that were like stand-up people. You know, they 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 said how it was, and there was no beating around the bush. There was no room like whispering or fucking. He's doing this. It was it was very straight up, and and that's what I liked about our, our team at Millwall. Did they ever boil
0: over in the, in the uh, training ground? See, see players going at it at Millwall?
3: Uh, not not more than. Not more than other clubs I played at because as I said, there was a there was a huge amount of respect for people. The banter was 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 always on fire. We'd we'd always hammer each other. There was always banter going on. There was always people cutting people's clothes up, burning clothes, new players coming in that had no idea what was going to be going on. But as I said, there was an honesty within our group that everyone was was equal. Everyone was level. Even Timmy, who was who's was our little superstar. Who was going to go on to bigger things? We kept him intact. Uh, he probably bore the brunt of it, to be quite honest. But he took it all in his stride. Oh, really? Yeah. A
0: little bit, of, a little bit of kale clobber getting getting cut up here and there.
3: Yeah. It was funny. There was one. There was one keeper that come in. I think it was Marshall, Andy Marshall, that come in. Yeah. Um, and we signed him because I think uh, Big Tone had, had had an injury for a long time. We had another keeper that come in that struggled a little bit, and Marshall came in. And uh, on his first day, the boys were like, fuck, we're going to get this guy. He's having himself a little bit. So he's he's in the careful. He's getting some treatment. And the keepers always go out a little bit early. And I think even Wisey was involved with this. It was Wisey. Muzzy was always involved as well. And they took his clothes. And they went out onto the training field where the keepers start doing their warm-up. And, warm and on the training pitch, they put a mannequin in the six-yard spot in the goal, and they put his, his clothes on it, on the mannequin. What
0: and was they, it Boston Clubber?
3: Yeah, so it was horrible clubber, but he thought it was like, not, yeah, it was like Hugo Boss, whatever it was, Gucci, and we're, we're all in our track suits and whatever, just coming in casual. So they, they they put his all his clubber on this mannequin, and they taped it up, and I think, why is he even lit it? A little bit as well at the bottom, and it didn't light properly. And he's gone out for his warm up, and he's absolutely lost his shit. Andy Marshall, <laughs> oh God, man, is this is a professional club, and we were just starting our warm up. We were in hysterics, and that was just that was just part of of what we did every day. From why is he cutting Darren Ward's jeans? Because he was having himself Wardy as he did. He thought he was uh, the South London uh, Beckham, um but he was nowhere near it. <laughs> 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 Just had to take it, it was from anything from that kind of banter, whether it be with your clothes, whether it be with just people mucking around with your car. It was just everyday stuff that kept you on your toes, but actually added to the team spirit that we would have when we went out on the pitch for that game at the weekend or midweek. That we would fight yeah. for it. Did he, um,
0: did he wear it in the end? Well, not wear it, I mean, like, did he, did he accept it in the end,
3: Marshall? Yeah, he, he had to, he had to. He, uh, he, his bottom lip dropped for, for, for a couple of days, but uh, in the end, <laughs> he said that's, that's part of the banner. He wasn't used to it being at certain other clubs, and he was just he had to get used to it very, very quickly. He actually done well for us in the end. I think he actually played in the FA Cup final for us.
0: You mentioned him there. He's obviously, you would have been around him a lot growing up. Ray Wilkins, we've heard a lot of good stories during yeah. this series about Ray, just what a legend he was, what a gentleman he was, the clobber he wears. The, sorry, the clobbery War as a goody smelt, but he still had a bit on the pitch as well.
3: Yeah, he did. It was. It was. Uh, I knew it because I obviously grew up at QPR, where Ray had played. I played with Ray at uh, a really young age, and he was t- towards the end of his career. He'd gone away and finished his career somewhere else, but then they kind of brought him back in as the gaffer as a manager um, at QPR when Jerry Francis left. So. I said, I was he was a, a mentor to me, a guy that I respected a lot. I looked up to, I listened to, and being a young lad from, from uh, West London uh, at 17, 18, where you, you kind of think you know everything, there's not a lot of people that you actually sit down and listen to and respect a lot. And he, he was one of them um, a guy that would, would pull my ear if I needed it, kick me up my ass if I needed it, but also put my arm around me and, and be. We used to call him Uncle Ray. He was just that type of guy. He was he was very thorough, very honest, and a, a great, great guy. And uh, I was so disappointed when he passed away a couple of years ago because he meant a lot to me uh, as a person, but also to my career as well. But mm. well, he could still play. Even, even in the training sessions, you tried to get near him, and he was like two steps ahead of you just with his pass, his touch. He would send you for a hot dog if you were going to tackle him, and he would just it partial or nutmegia, and the boys loved him. The boys loved him. Yeah, so they spoke very,
0: very highly of him. We got to the FA Cup final, obviously. Um, you were suspended for that, so you missed out.
2: That yeah. must
0: have been obviously, obviously very frustrating. We've heard we've heard bits from Tony Warner that. Um, well, let's talk about the build-up in general as well. But Tony Warner, obviously, you and Muzzy ended up out the night before the night yeah. before the final. But was it obviously it would have been disappointing to uh, miss out? Did you really? Was that because of a booking at the Sunderland game or was it further down the line?
3: No, it was uh, it was a game in the league. We played against Nottingham Forest and um, I'd had a little scuffle with Wes Morgan who had gone on to play for Leicester City. And um, it was handbags at most. We'd, we'd just been up for a ball and he connected with the back of my head. I, I connected with him. He said with my elbow and we squared up to each other. He pushed me over and the ref didn't even hesitate you he just sent us both off so after the game Ray said fuck you're in a bit of trouble I said why is that he said well two weeks time we're playing in an FA Cup final this could affect your uh, your your place in in the lineup if if you're suspended so I went no it can't be so obviously news had gathered. And and a couple of days later, it worked out that I would miss the FA Cup final. So we tried to appeal, tried to contact the referee, and he was an older referee, absolute tosspot. Wouldn't have none of it, wouldn't even listen to it, wouldn't even look at the, the, the review or anything like that. And it was probably one of the hardest moments in, in my career, because as I said before, it was Millwall's first time in the FA Cup final, but it was also a dream of mine from from a young age, from watching the FA Cup final on a, on a Saturday afternoon, the build-up, watching it from the morning, seeing all the build-up to it. It was a dream of mine to play in an FA Cup final, and this was my only chance I was probably going to get to play in it. And that, and that referee took, took that opportunity away from me, and I'll never, ever forgive him for that. Not only because, personally... Uh, I missed out on a dream, but also because it affected us as a team as well. With Muzzy being out, basically, right. out myself being out, we were already already behind the eight ball a little bit because we were obviously playing against the Galacticos of Man United with Ronaldo and Giggs and all them boys in the team, and we were little old Mill trying to punch above our weight and trying to trying to get a result at probably the biggest cup game in, in in the history of the world, like the FA Cup. Mm.
0: I'd agree, mate, you know, not just because I'm talking to you, but we missed a few players that day due to different circumstances, suspension. But yeah, obviously that day, um, you was the biggest miss, in, in my opinion, because you know we still had Neil Harris, but we needed that target man to try and make the ball stick because we didn't get it forward on many opportunities anyway. How did, um, how did that feel? I mean, you would have been gutted, wouldn't you? All, all the build-up, all the suits, all the... Hype all the press. You must. Would you just like fuck this?
3: Yeah, I, you know what, Dan. As well, it was as I said, it was probably the toughest moment in my career, and I actually con- contemplated giving up football. I was that. Really? Yeah, I was really that low because I just felt I got no backing from the PFA, got no backing from like the FA as well to go to the referee and let and make him look at the review or listen to the appeal. Um, The club tried to do as much as they could, YZ, Ray, uh, Theo at the time as well. And I just said, fuck this, I I can't be around this because I thought I was affecting the boys as well. You know, when you've got kind of... I wasn't sulking, I just wasn't myself. Mm. Ray pulled me and he said, listen, I can tell there's something wrong with you. And he spoke to my dad as well. He said, I think it's good for you to go and get away for, for like three or four days. So I said, maybe that's the best thing. So uh, me and my wife, we we went away, uh, went on a trip somewhere for four or five days and really had a good long kind of think about what I wanted to do with, with my career. It's been something I've done all my life since I was nine years old when I signed with QPR and football's always been part of my life. And as i said that was a real tough moment period for me in my in my career and in my head mentally as well in in where i should carry on with football because that that dream had been taken away from from me and and mm. i was really upset at the time but i also knew that it was a big day for for the club and for all the players so i think that three or four days going away helped me realize that as selfishly as i could be in in not wanting to be there i had to be there for for the group and i came back and and tried to involve myself as much as possible the, the club involved me in in the team photo they got me a suit they, they made me travel all the way there and and even on the day it was still a tough day for me like mm. being in the, in the changing room beforehand going out on the on on the actual pitch it was tough for Muzzy and Tony as well. You know, we, we were That's all... Three
0: big characters right. there, three very big characters for that dressing room. a minute to not be involved.
3: Yeah, and it, it was tough for us. I think being a younger player, you could probably get away with it a little bit more because you know you've got an extended amount of time to maybe rectify it or get back to a cup final or get whatever it is. You're going to have a, a longer career. But all three of us were coming towards the end of our careers and it was it was a day that the fans will remember and we will remember in different ways, you know, because it was just different emotions going through, through, through our heads that day. Anyway.
0: Well, Tony Warner said that he, he walked the team, he walked out with a team in his suit.
3: Um, yeah,
0: but he said he was still pissed when he did that Yeah, because he'd been out the night before with you and Muscat. How <laughs> does that work? Did you get the nod to go out or did you just sneak out?
3: Uh, no, I think what, as I said, why is he, <laughs> really, um, good like that? Um, we went for a couple in Cardiff. We had a couple of mates there. What Tony had a couple of mates there and we just joined up with them. Um, and that was it. We went out and we just tried to drown our sorrows a little bit, but also not interfere with the team. Uh, we, we were staying a little bit. We were in the same hotel, but we were staying in different rooms away from them on a different floor. So we weren't going to interrupt their, their preparations or anything like that.
0: Any Mill fans go, hang on. That's, they obviously knew you was injured and suspended. I swear that's... Big Dan Tone and <laughs>
3: out of the night out. Yeah, actually, I think we ran into a couple, but um, there was a lot of Millwall fans that, that came up on the day as well. Yeah, I'll i will travel on the day, yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot of Millwall fans turned up on the day. I know that Millwall and Cardiff, my, my friends were there as well, and Millwall and Cardiff don't really have a good relationship anyway. And I think there was rumours that Cardiff were out the night before looking for Millwall fans and stuff like that. So I'm not sure. We, we, can't, we tried to stay as close to the hotel and... There was a couple of friends that we had that were, were living in Cardiff and showed us around as well. Oh, nice. So, obviously, we lose the game by three goals in there. And well, like you said,
0: you want to be a professional. You want to be, you know, involved as much as you can. But it must was there a little bit of a sense of, fucking, please, that's over, really? You know, you can get back to business for yourself as well. Do you know what I mean?
3: Yeah, I mean, we, we. I remember in the changing room afterwards, we kind of were all a little bit disappointed. But we kind of gathered ourselves and said, look, we, we've still got... So much to offer for, for for this group of players. We can still yeah. go on and, and achieve something. Um, we we were so desperate to get back to the Premier League as well. There was there was a couple of years where the boys got close prior to me getting there as well. They finished just outside the playoffs and they had some good players back then as well. With Mill, I remember. I think it was one against West Ham or Birmingham, where they nearly got through. Did they in, in the playoffs? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And they they missed out. Desperately and we we wanted we'd achieved getting through to the FA Cup final for the first time. So we wanted to say, okay, now we can push on and, and get this club into the Premier League for the first time in its history as well. Well, did you think that the cut
0: run was a hindrance? you think we might have gone up because we, we was there or thereabouts, but we fell away obviously from the playoffs because of the cut run? Do you think that played a part in us not going up that season? Do you think we could have done if we hadn't done so well in the cup?
3: Yeah, I do. I, I agree. I also think that our squad depth wasn't as big as what it could have been to try and cater for both of them as well Dan if you understand what I'm saying like I feel we might have put too many eggs in the basket of getting through to the FA Cup Final because we knew what the draw what the run was going to be for us and we 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 either drew or we lost games in, in the championship that year that we should have won. There was a couple of games that I was really disappointed with where I think there was one against Watford at home and there was another one where "Fuck!" on our day, we can we can easily get the three points. We, can, we don't have to even compare ourselves against this team and we drop points unnecessarily. And I, I do think that was a hindrance, but I do also think that there was a couple of niggly injuries that we got. There was some suspensions, as you do the season, that's normal. But I just didn't think we had the squad depth there for, for players to kind of step in and keep the ball rolling for us. Yeah. So, just wind
0: it back a little bit. You say you was on loan at Mill at first. You come down for the original month. After that month, was, was it then agreed that you was going to join the club? Did they all say to you, we want you on a permanent?
3: Yeah, well, why is it already
2: If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Kind of been
3: having private talks with me to say, look, we want to make this deal permanent. It's basically the agreement between the two clubs. Now you've got to speak to West Brom, what they want for you. Uh, we've got to speak to Theo and what the, the club and the board of directors can offer as well. So there's a lot of stuff that we've got to try and iron out. And I said, look, I'm, I'm willing to come back down there. I'm, I'm back home in London where my family is. Uh, I love playing for the club. I enjoy the group. I haven't enjoyed my football like this in a a long time and I really feel we can push on with this group and and not only get in the playoffs but push through and try and get in the Premier League and he said, well, let's see if the club are all talk or they actually want to push this through and start bringing in players that are going to help us get there. Yeah. So on my part, it was was very easy. Uh, I Mm. kind of laid my cards on the table and said, oh, if we can get this done, let's get it done and in the end, I think Theo ironed out some clauses with, with West Brom if we got up and stuff like that, that they'd have to pay extra money. And they got me on, on the cheap uh, in the end, which was good for me, but also good for, for Mill because they could spend some money on, on other players and bring them in in the summer.
0: Well, on the cheap, yes. But obviously, Mill predominantly don't don't pay hardly any money. I think our record signing still to this date is only 1.5. I think we paid half a million for you. Could have rose up to about three quarters of a million. So yeah. it was... a. Uh, I was obviously happy with that. It's good business, but it's still quite in the terms of it being 2004 as well. It's not, it's quite a lot for me all to spend, but I know you mean it's not, it's not a lot of money really, is it?
3: Yeah, because when I first spoke to West Brom, they were saying, well, we want to recuperate at least 1 million for you. And I was like, well, I'm not playing here. You're paying me. I've fallen out with a manager. I think if we can all be sensible about this, then you can understand where Millwall are coming from. They haven't got a lot of money, and what you're going to ask for, they're not going to be capable of paying. So there was a lot of talks between my agent and then the club, and then I went to the West Brom chairman to say, "Look, can we can we please iron this out for the for the sake of myself, the club can move on. You've bought in another striker now. So so he said, "Look, we're, we'll try and come to some agreement." There was a week or so, I think, just before we played. I have a crew or someone away. That it looked like it wasn't going to get done, and, and Theo managed to get it done, and I was thankful. I was really happy that it got done because, as you said, five hundred grand is a lot of money to, to Millwall. Mm. Uh, it's not a lot of money to West Brom. we had been back and forth from the, from the Premier League getting their parachute payments, but to Millwall to splash out that money was was a lot of money. Did you have any dealings with him, Theo? I know he's the chairman, but did you? Uh... Yeah, I spoke with him a lot, um, in a sense that. He was trying to push me to go to the club and do a backhand deal and palm money off that they owed me. And I said, look, I'm not going to do that because I've got to think about my family as well. It's not you guys that are paying me that money or you're going to lose out on it. But he was kind of saying, well, if you palm some of that money off, then we can pay less. I said, I'm not going to do that, Theo, because you wouldn't do that. You're a business guy yourself. Um... But he was a wheeler and dealer. He was a character. I Wise, he used to go at it all the time. Um, Did they? Yeah. But I think that was, the, that was kind of the end of, of Wisey, that he couldn't deal with it in the end, because Theo was, was, was a guy that wanted to push the club up. He was a business guy as well. He knew what made sense, but he was a wheeler and dealer as well. And if he could cut off corners here and there, he would try to, but that was that was the the end for YC in the end because he wanted to push on as a manager. He wanted to try and progress and develop and he thought he could do that with Millwall, but in the end, I think that was his downfall.
0: Yeah, I think it's a bit of a strange situation because, as I said, we spoke to a lot of players that were in the sort of the, the 2000, 2001 up to when you joined and just beyond as well. And it seems like an unbelievable sort of four years, four or five years for the club, but we've heard you know, conflicting stories where the, the, the issues in 2002 with the Birmingham game, by the time Wise had taken over and was taking it forward, you know the wheels had started to come off a little bit in sense of him and Theo arguing and and where the club was going. So maybe the um the FA Cup final sort of glazed over that a little bit. But another problem that the FA cut well, it's not a problem. Another another obstacle that the FA Cup final brought along with it was obviously the year after when we could have probably had another go at getting promoted was the uh, UEFA Cup
3: campaign. Yes, definitely and. And you talk about a team that's got through to the FA Cup final now, a team that's now in the Europa, the the qualifications for the Europa League, a team that just missed out on playoffs. So now you're being seen as other clubs, as a a team that are trying to maybe spend a little bit of money or have money and want to push through. So that sets you back a little bit because other clubs start to take liberties with, with players that you might want to bring in or players that are interested in coming to your club, but we're not being run in a professional manner or clubs are now starting to ask for an extra 250 on top of a player that is worth mm. 100 grand or 200 grand, 300 grand, that mill will beforehand. before. And then I know I spoke with, with Whitey about this a lot and Ray, and they said it, sometimes it was a hindrance in us getting through to that FA Cup final because our actual standing as a club went up so much. And it's, it's yeah. not, Millwall's the most liked football club in England anyway, but now, <laughs> now we're starting to be a little bit more successful, and whether it be people throughout the FA, or people around England, or clubs, or owners, whatever, is trying to put their thumbs on top of our heads and saying, no, you've got to stay there. And yeah. I thought was, that was the case a lot of the time in, in, in that year. Yeah, and no, like players started to leave it, to
0: obviously, like say, it attracts success attracts attention, and Tim Cale leaves the club. Stephen Reid had already left the club. Tony Warner leaves the club. And a a new sort of core of players started to come in. We started the season off very well the following season, 2004-2005. You didn't score on the opening day, but you you scored in the next three games. Leicester at home, Reading away, and someone else at home that escapes me. I've got it written down there somewhere. But, um, yeah, big dang off to a flyer in the 2004-2005. Three goals in the first four games.
3: Yeah, it was strange because we, we weren't actually playing too well as well, Dan. It was like, hmm, we bought in a new group of players. Jody Morris had come in. We brought a couple of Canadians in as well. There was yeah, we'll talk about them in a bit. Yeah, there was another striker that I bought we bought in, Scott Doby, I think it was. And so we were still trying to find our way a little bit, but um we weren't playing particularly well. We'd been out to to Canada on a long preseason trip. Uh, we come back, and as you said, we also had the Europa to look forward to. Um, that was still being discussed where we were going to play it. Are we going to play it at home first, away first? There was there was obviously a lot of worries about us travelling over to Hungary. Um, and then I actually got a, a, a double hernia operation as well. They, they were struggling with it in the off-season, and they tried to put it off, put it off. But then it come back, and I had to get uh, the injury sorted out to get operation done.
0: Yeah, I so you scored three of the first four, but then after that, the next goal you scored after that wasn't till November because obviously you was out. you had been out injured, hadn't you? Did you have the operation?
3: Yeah, it was. It was funny. I had the operation, and I, I didn't really recover as as well as they thought I'd recover. And they, they thought it possibly been my back again. I'd had two back operations earlier on in my career, and they started to thought that it could be linked to that again. And it was just it was a frustrating kind of three or four months for me in, in trying to get back on, onto the pitch.
0: Just want to talk about, say, we, we've spoken in depth about a lot of other players, but new players started to appear at the club. So let's talk about a few of them. You mentioned them briefly then, the, the Canadians, Adrian Seriu and Josh Simpson. What a, Adrian Seriu, <laughs> just a random, that's, that can of happened at me. When well, we came in, I remember his debut was, uh, his home debut, Leicester at home. He had, yeah. he had a weldy, he had an absolute rocket of a long throw. And he yes, looked course. like it was going to be unbelievable, but he uh, he wasn't, was he?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, it's funny how it come across because we went to Vancouver, Canada. We've been um, invited by uh, some consortium in, in Canada that were inviting hearts from Scotland, us and a Canadian select team that we were going to play, in a like mini tournament over there. Um, we went to Vancouver. That was my first time in Canada and it was blisteringly hot and we had a hard preseason over there. Um, And we managed to play hearts. I think we won that one nil. And then we played the select team. And incidentally, it had Josh Simpson, who played very, very well for the select team. And it had Adrian Seri, who who did pretty well, but wise he had noticed that he could throw the ball like a a grenade. He could throw it from (laughs) the halfway line and it would launch in a six yard spot. So he obviously liked him and he spoke to the Canadians about what it would Cost or what it would be to bring them over, and I think it was literally nothing. Um, it was just sorting out visas and stuff like that. And within, I think it was within two weeks, they were they were over uh, in South London with us, training with us, and they were like rabbits caught in headlights straight away. But <laughs> I remember that first game because I think the goal we scored was Jody scored, and I'd flicked it on, and it was from an Adrian Seriu. Throwing where mm. he launched it in, and Leicester were like, What the is going on here? And uh, he um, launched that ball in. I flicked it on, and little Jody managed to get onto the second ball and, and stab it home. Some player in, Jody Morris. Yeah, Jody was a good player. He was a good player. He was uh, very gifted. Um, he'd been through a couple of moves where he was disappointed after his chelsea kind of fall out he didn't kick on um but a player that that had the ability to play at a high high level and he was a uh, very astute tactically as well mm. and why has he brought him in and i thought i thought he would have been a lot more influential than he was but maybe it was the players around him that he struggled with as well but a good player, nonetheless, that, that uh, was a, a good addition to our group.
0: Getting back, sorry, getting back to the Canadians, I took you away from it. What was they like? You say those rabbits rabbits in headlights. Did yeah. you have many feelings of them, like just socially? How did they cope with South London life?
3: Well, as I as said, because we had a good team spirit anyway, mm. um, they had to jump on board with our banter, which they had no idea what was going on or they couldn't <laughs> even understand what we were talking about. We used to call Josh Chuck. He was Chuck the American, even though I I pointed out to many of the guys that Canadians are different than Americans. It's like calling a Scottish person an English person. But he was still known as Chuck. And then Adrian was just known as Rasta. We called him the the disaster Rasta. (laughs) But he was very calm, collective, sometimes a little bit too laid back. Um, And again, I, I think they were just... We didn't really think thoroughly enough about how these boys were going to be introduced to, to not only living in England, but to playing for a Millwall football club.
0: The, the disaster raster was, uh, was that because of his obviously ability on the pitch? or
3: I think it was a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Just, just the way he had himself, he was very laid back, he was late for certain things and
0: I still oh, really?
3: now he lives here in Toronto, and he talked about his time living in South London. He was like, "Holy shit, I would never ever go back to that place in my life." <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he had a good time living wherever he lived.
0: Oh mate, right. that is absolutely classic. And another character from that squad, I've, I've I've met him a couple of times, and I've I've heard him on other podcasts. Graham Stacks. that's an absolute
3: crackpot, isn't he? Oh yeah, he came. I think he came in from Arsenal. I think why is he managed to nab him from Arsenal, like youth team or the under twenties? There, and he was a li- he was a lively boy as well. Um, he was a DJ like myself, a DJ back in the day, and uh, a typical goalkeeper. He couldn't sit still. He was always talking, always bantering. He loved the banter with us. He settled in really well with us, banter wise. Um, but another character, another character that was welcomed in by the group, and it was I just. I feel that we brought too many players in, Dan. When you bring in too many players, it's very hard to be consistent and and understand what the, the group's about. And yeah. you can always bring in two or three, I think, and try and settle them in a lot quicker. But when you bring an influx of like seven to eight guys like we did that, that year, it was difficult for not only the players um, that had already been there already, but the players more so coming in. Mm.
0: Yeah, I know what you're saying it can upset the uh The dynamics of a good little group um, bonding sort of thing, can't it? So you missed out on uh, Hungary. Yes. Ferenc Varos. Did you not even travel?
3: I didn't even travel in the end. and um, As I said, I'd had the double hernia operation and they were kind of thinking that maybe I could travel to get limited minutes. Um, But in the end, it, it wasn't on. Uh, I was still struggling. The doctor said no. I think the first game was at home, wasn't it? Or was it away? Um, first game was away, yeah. Right, yeah, so it was the second game, which I think I came on for limited minutes in the second half, and I was still struggling with my injury then. Um, but Wisey had asked, like said, can you can you manage to get some minutes and give us something? And I uh, managed just getting on for a few minutes, but I think the the, the game was basically over by then. Yeah.
0: So you missed quite a lot of, the, say, after a uh, blistering start. You missed a fair whack of the season. You come back, your first goal back against the enemy, which will always uh, put you in a good books of mill fans. The so 1-0 win, you come off the bench against West Ham. I put it up on social media earlier. I don't know if you saw it, but another Muscat cross, another trademark, Danny Diccio, bullet header.
3: Yeah, I remember that game because, as I said, it was a frustrating year for me. And um, I think we'd lost to West Ham away that year. Um in the first game. And then we'd, we'd obviously come back to the den and we'd want to put one over on them. And again, it was a tight game and it was a late goal that, that I scored. And I just remember afterwards as well, we got the one nil win and we was going myself and, and Jody were going back through, uh, I time we went back through the old Kemp road, but there was a couple of Millwall pubs, uh, close that were full of Millwall after outside the pubs afterwards. And they, we got stopped at a traffic light and I thought, oh, this is gonna get messy here. And then obviously noticed Jody in the car because he'd wound down the window and said hello to him, but then they noticed me and they started to come over by the cars, by the road, and they stopped all the traffic and singing a song. So that was that was a good moment Now we stopped the traffic on the old camp road there.
0: <laughs> yeah, i say, good job you scored the winner, mate. they weren't coming over for a bad reason, They us come over and see your praises.
3: Could have been another way around, yeah, if we lost the game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that season, obviously, was your last at the club. Was your
3: contract up or no? So it was interesting because, uh, as you said, there was there was a lot of off the field dynamics that were going on with with Wyse and Theo, and they were wanting to push on. They wanted to bring more more um, players in. The, the season wasn't going as intended, and. Ray had spoken to me and he said, look, I don't think things are going to end up well here. And so I said, what, what are you talking about? He says, uh, I, I honestly don't think things are going to end up with it. They're arguing back and forth. They're not agreeing on certain stuff. There's there's possible new owners that are thinking about coming in as well. Mm. I thought, Fuck, I've just moved back down to London to be part of this club and and try and push on and get to where we want to get, which is the Premier League after last year and now you're telling me that this could be the end of things with, with you lot here like with with YCM Ray who had basically come down to play for as well and then there was there was more talk of players being moved on or players not being contracted and it was it was a real mess at the end of the season uh, I didn't like it I really didn't like it because there was no clarity coming from the club uh-huh. and also, why has he kind of let it known to the players as well that this is going to be his last year? Right. So, it was so we still finished 10th that season. Yeah, we still did. But I still I still feel, damn we could have finished higher. Um, as we all all say, whether you're a fan or player, we, we should always finish higher. But I really feel with that group that we had that year, mm. uh, it wasn't as good as the team we had the year before. But I still feel with that group, we could have finished higher not having the FA Cup final as a hindrance, not having the Europa because we went out early in that as well as a hindrance, and push on, but we didn't.
0: We spoke to Matty Lawrence as well, yeah, and, and he got he got the same feeling. I think he left just after you, but he said, it, you know, that was he was going that way in the end, which is a shame. What was um, why and Theo arguing over if they both wanted to take the club forward? Could, did you know? Or? I don't
3: know if it was was money. I don't know if it was players that they are bringing in infrastructure of the club and what he was, he was on about bringing new stuff into the training ground. And we, we were happy with what we were doing at the training ground, but obviously wise, was used to different resources and, and different facilities, but we were more than happy fit the, the pitches were, were beautiful condition. Uh, we, we had what we needed, but I don't know if he wanted more staff or just more support and he felt he wasn't getting that. So, why is he made his decision? And I think Theo had made his decision as well.
0: Right. So why's he leaves the club? And then did you leave Wise? How did it come about going to Preston?
3: So through that summer, um, I'd heard rumblings on the wall that the the, the club had basically been trying to wheel and deal me out of there. So I'd spoke to Theo, and Fio denied everything. I've to uh to Ray and Ray wasn't in touch with anyone because he'd left as well and um, decided to go through the summer. The club were, were, in my opinion, struggling to find someone to be the the manager that year. They, They approached a couple of people I heard and they hadn't agreed on it. Again, that could have been money or whatever was going on with the club. Um, and then Steve Claridge came in right and Steve Claridge was obviously a, a hugely respected guy at Millwall, a guy that that I'd love watching on the TV I'd met him a couple of times just through playing against him and a guy that I thought was a a, a nice guy respected guy and he basically said he was very honest with me he said look the club uh, are trying to trim the wage bill there's a, a lot of boys on on money here that the club feel that they need to move on and move in a different direction. And he said, I'm going to be honest with you, Dan, you, you're one of them as well. He said, I'd love for you to stay here and, and be part of what I'm trying to do here, um, but my, my hands are tied. So I was kind of not disappointed in Steve. I was I was, I was happy that he was honest with me and, and he was being upfront. At the same time, i just moved all my family back down to London. We were living in, in a house down there. And now I'm, I'm getting phone calls from the agent that there's clubs up north or there's clubs in the Midlands that, that want to sign me and, and push on for the Premier League. I was like, oh, my God, I don't know what's going on. I was in like a real mix-up because I didn't know what to do. Um, there was still so much uncertainty at Millwall. Um, through players, through staff.
0: I say like, only lasted 35 days, didn't he, before he he got removed?
3: And I actually felt sorry for him because because Steve, he wasn't supported either. There was no real staff there for him. He was kind of by himself. There was a couple of guys that had been brought up through either the academy or guys that he used to play with, but there was nothing concrete going on there. The pre-season was the, the actual set up and organisation of it was all out the window. No one knew what was going on. We didn't know whether we were going away. We didn't know what was happening, what day we were going to start. What it it sounds like just, the whole
0: structure of the club was just in a transitional period. No one really knew what the fuck was going on, did
3: they? They didn't. And, and that was what was upsetting for me then because yeah. you know as a player or you know if you're in a business or whatever it is, you can, you can get a feeling of things ain't going right. There's yeah. something going on here. And I felt that at Millwall and Again, I had to say to Steve, I said, look, I've got to put my family first here. I I don't want to move anywhere because I'm happy here. But the club are basically saying that they want to move on from me. And he said, I feel it's in your best interest, Danny, if you can find yourself a club. So that was me on, on the transfer lookout again. And I said, I was happy down in London. I was happy playing for Millwall. Um, but the club, as you said, the organisation and what was going on, it was all up in the air. And I felt sorry mm. for the fans because they probably didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. Mm. And I think it was like a, within a week, uh, I've been on the road up to, to Preston because there were one of the clubs. There was another club. I think it was Sheffield Wednesday. There was another club in the Midlands. Sorry, how I, I old with you at this point? I think I was 30 just turned 31 or mm. well, 30. I was like 30 years old. So I thought, like, I still got, I still want to give myself a chance of, of playing in the Premier League again or getting a team to the Premier League that's never been there. And Mill were one of them teams that I'd come down with. Um, and then Preston were another team, a very old team. And i spoke with Billy Davis, who was the coach at the time. He said, look, you've played against us over the, over the years. I, I like you as a player. I feel you're, one of the missing parts for us, as as managers usually do, they they send, they spill, give you the spill to try and sign for them. Yeah, uh, this is a difficult decision for me because I'm settled down in London, but I'm at a club where I feel is going tits up. It just doesn't know where it's heading. And he said, "Yeah, I agree with you. If you can come to some agreement with them, uh, with Theo, and if they, they they feel if they can get." Uh, at least the full amount of money they paid for you back, then they were willing to do the deal. And that was it. It was kind of, I didn't even get to say goodbye to people at Millwall because I had my one conversation with with Steve in the office and that was it. I got my stuff and I was talking on the phone to him and he said, look, the clubs are in in talks, they're in negotiations, they want you to go up in the next couple of days and that was it.
0: It's, it's funny, because when I looked on obviously I remember you playing, I looked on Wikipedia, but in my mind you was at the club a lot longer. He was he was a very popular when I said you was coming on today on social media that he was was gonna be coming on. But he wasn't at Mill that long in, in in hindsight. What could um if you could pick one memory, standout memory for you of playing for the
3: club, could you pick one? You know what, I, I really I, I go back to that that game at Tranmere where we were really disappointed that we had not put them to bed at, at home and we didn't get the result and then we it was a midweek game we went back up to Tranmere and there was a lot of pressure there was a lot of talk about they've had their chance millwall but we had so we had so much backing not only from from like local media and stuff but we knew that we were taking a lot of fans up there as well and and I think that added to it as well Dan, because we're a working, working man's club, Millwall, and, and I played for another working man's club at Sunderland who they thrive on, on, on their football team. And, and to go up to, to Liverpool midweek for a replay and put on a performance that we did, that, that was a, a, a real good game to play in because we played ever so well that day. And as I said, Chopper scored a lovely volley. Timmy scored a, a typical Timmy goal but it was a great all-round team performance and that really set us up for the semi-final against Sunderland. Um, so that cup run was was a real eye-opener for me because it was a bit a sweet one because it's so much sweet going all the way to the, to the semi-final and then having that bitterness at the end where the referee didn't look at my appeal. Um, but I suppose that's what careers are made of, you know? Like some people are lucky to have, have a a career for so long like I did and I've got to be respectful of that but as I said still never forgive that referee but there was a lot of sweet moments in that lead up to that semi-final and getting the result there and seeing all the Millwall fans there that day was, was really great to see
0: Yeah, it was an uh, it was an iconic it was an iconic sort of era for the club and you was part of that mate and you was, uh, you was very well respected and liked by the fans of Millwall you went to Preston obviously for a couple of years and then you made your way to where you are still now
3: Yes, so I had a couple of good years at Preston. We we got through to the playoffs in the first year I was there. The second year we just missed out on playoffs, and then there was a turnaround there. And I said, "This is enough for me. I'm not I'm not continuing to move home with my young family. My, my boys at the time, my two young sons, had moved three or four times. had been in different schools. And I said, wherever I move next, I want to settle down with roots. And we'd always loved North America, so it was." Uh, an idea of myself and my wife, who's got an American passport to, to settle down and try and go and find a club in MLS. And there were a couple of clubs that had shown interest. I've been over to Chicago. We love Chicago, been over to Los Angeles and, and had a look there. But, uh, Toronto would come in with a, a, a concrete offer for me to come over. Didn't need, uh, the green cards or other visas that other clubs were saying I needed. And, um, settled in here. Mo Johnston, the ex-Celtic and Rangers striker, was their coach at the time. Uh, there was a, a huge English expat uh, kind of society over here, which which helped me settle in as well. But it's a place that we, we call home now. We love living here. My kids all speak Canadian with a Canadian twang. They keep trying to say they don't understand me when I'm talking or certain words that I'm saying. But, it's a good place to live, very family orientated. Uh, the weather's cold as that is here in, in the winter. Um, but in the summer it's a very beautiful place to live. Very, very picturesque. You've been there must have been there over ten years now, mustn't you? Around that. This is yeah, this is uh I came here in two thousand and seven. So I think this is our thirteenth or fourteenth year. And you are are here a little bit of a legend over there. Yes. <laughs>
0: so you, so this, correct me if I'm wrong. You went over and you was it was that was that the first ever year of the Canadian MLS that founded that year.
3: It was so MLS had been in in play for a few years before I arrived, but Toronto, the team I was joining, it was their first year in the league, so they they call it an expansion team. So I joined them four four games after they started the season because Preston wouldn't let me go. Uh, they wouldn't let me go pre-season. Uh, they said, we're still in season. And I spoke to the president at uh, Preston, the, the owner, and he said, okay, you can go over now. So I missed the first four games. Right. They had, they had, they'd been away for the first four games because they were still finishing their stadium. They built a new stadium. Right. And uh, I joined for the first home game. And they hadn't scored a goal in their, their four away games. Right. So our first home game was my first, uh, my debut for them. And I managed to score a goal. It wasn't the best of goals. I bundled it in at the near post, but it was the first goal in Toronto uh, FC's history. So they still sing my sing my name at that that exact minute of every game when they play your home games. Now they sing. Out oh, my, really? Which is which is pretty uh pretty interesting to hear every home game. My, my boys <laughs> in the crowd they love they love hearing it, but it's a little bit embarrassing for me at times. But do they pronounce it Dicio
0: or Dicio? Sorry. Dicio <laughs> or Dicio over there?
3: They actually say Diccio, Yeah. There's a lot of Italians over as well. So they know how to pronounce it properly. Of
0: course, course. Um, it was a bit of a double whammy that game, though, wasn't it? Your debut. What else happened in the game? Well,
3: uh, the, old, the old Millwall came out of me probably because <laughs> <laughs> just before half time, we've gone up for a, a challenge with the goalkeeper. And. Um, as we've come down, he thought I kind of put a physical challenge on him or tried to connect with the back of his head. And he tried to snap my leg from the ground. He tried to break it where my knee is and I just lost it. And uh, we went head to head and I tried to bite his nose. <laughs> <laughs> I missed it, but uh, it you was got a sent good, off. good attempt. We had a little rustle, handbags again, a little wrestle. There was a big melee. A lot of players involved, and the referee sent me off. And as I'm walking off the field, getting ejected off the field, the the fans have all stood up on their seats, and they're like roaring with laughter and clapping. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever been applauded by the whole stadium for getting sent off.
0: A <laughs> <Another> little <laughs> bit of drama over there Well, the Americans, I'm I'm obviously putting the Canadians in the same bracket, which you said don't do, but I just did. Yeah. So,
3: um, what's your role now, though? You still you're still involved with Toronto. Yes. Yeah, so uh, um, when I was in my fi- final year, 2009, I'd, I'd already been doing my coaches coaching badges in England up in Preston. I started my UEFA B. And then when I came over to here, I'd started doing my US licenses. And um, they knew that I, it was a, a pathway that I wanted to go after I'd finished playing. Um, and they said, look, we'd love for you to hang around if if uh, your contract's up at the end of this year, we have a spot for you within the first team as an assistant. Um, and then eventually they said, after a year or so, would you like to take your own team? And I said, I would love that. As part of my development as a coach, I'd like to look after my own team. So they gave me the U19s, which is basically the U18s back home in England. And I was yeah. with them for eight or nine years the under 19s, and now I'm working with the the second team, the reserves. So I'm really happy working with the younger players that are coming through from the academy to the the second team, getting them ready for when they hit the first team.
0: Nice, well, mate, you've, you've been around the block, haven't you? QPR up to Sunderland, West Brom, Mere Wall up to Preston, and <laughs> you finally you finally uh, settled down in Toronto. And yep. uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on, mate. I've really appreciated your time, and the fans are going to be over the moon to see. Uh, you're still flying a flag over there in Toronto.
3: No problem. We've seen some Millwall fans out here as well. So,
0: so oh, do you cool. know what? I saw a picture of you on the Millwall um, history face on the Facebook page. Someone put a yeah. picture up.
3: Of see, yeah. him. there's a fella that walks walks his dog uh, where I walk my dog, and he stopped me like it was weirdly in in the street one day, and I was like, "Do I know this fella?" And then it, uh, he had a London accent, and we started speaking. He said, "Are oh, you you?" Uh, he worked with my boy. He, he was, his boy plays football, and and he said, "You, yeah, uh, you play for my club." And I was like, "Yeah, I play for plenty of clubs." And he said, "Yeah, yeah, I know." That. He said, "But you play for Mill. I'm a Mill fan." I said, "Oh, good." So we got chatting about Mill, and he said, "Is it possible to have a photo taken?" And we had a photo taken. He said, "I'm going to send this home to uh, the Mill Facebook page or the forum back home because the." My mates won't uh, believe it. So it must be that fella from the park that I walked the dog at.
0: Uh, it, it was him. It was him. And uh, that was all I needed, mate. That's the only sort of bait I needed. I was, I was on it straight away. <laughs> and here we are. It's been a pleasure, mate. I really enjoyed your time. Thanks for joining us.
3: No problem. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate What's it. Up, man. Cheers, mate. Hey,
2: it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?